There are five times more hires made through Indeed.com than any other job site. Imagine a lottery that had five times more winners. A Sunday with five times more touchdowns. When you're hiring, it makes five times more sense to use Indeed. Right now, we're giving new users a $50 credit to post a sponsored job on the world's number one job site. Claim your $50 credit at Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts. Today's guest on All Business is truly a business revolutionary. Beth Comstack is the Vice Chair of Business Innovation at GE, making her the first female Vice Chair in the company's 130-plus years history. She has held the post of Chief Marketing Officer at GE since 2003 and is leading their business innovation team where she works to accelerate the industrial internet, enhance clean energy and affordable health offerings and cultivate partnerships that grow GE's innovative culture and brand. So please welcome to the show on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, Beth Comstock. He's one of the world's most respected business experts, Jeffrey Hazlett. I want to take you behind the scenes on what's happening in business today. And whether you're on Main Street or Wall Street, we're going to find out the secrets behind their success. This is All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by Fortinet. Hey, my first question for you right off the bat is, what inspires you? Uh, I, well, that's a big question right off the bat, Jeffrey. <laughs> um, what inspires me? I, uh, I think I'm just inspired by discovery. Yeah. I love to discover what's next, what's new. That really gets me excited. Is that, is that kind of tied in uh, to your mission there at GE? It definitely is part of my mission. I think it's just, um, I, I think it's also just my um, appetite for, uh, you know, I, my, uh, how easily bored I get. <laughs> I'm just always sort of looking for what's new, what's next. But it's, it has become part of my, my mandate here at GE for sure. Yeah, you know, I, when I went your background, and I, I forgot about a couple of different things here that I saw, but, but you spent some time in the TV news business at, at CNN, CBS, then you went to NBC, and that's kind of how you got to GE, isn't it? It is, yeah. Uh, I worked at NBC a couple of different times, um, and that is how I got it part, to be part of GE. As you, as you know, GE uh, acquired NBC yep. in the mid-'80s and recently spun them off, um, you know, selling them off to Comcast. But it was a good 20-year run between uh, GE and NBC, and I, I, got, to be, I you know, got to be there uh, for, for a nice part of it. So and is that how you eventually got up to GE corporate was – was you got spotted, or I mean, Jeff, or someone must have saw you there at, at uh, NBC. You were working for Jeff. Jeff, you were working for another Jeff at the time too. I just forgot about that. Well, I um, originally uh, I was working for Bob Wright, uh, who was oh, then sure. the president and CEO of NBC. Just a great leader, uh, incredibly creative man. I mean, I think I learned more about um, strategy and idea generation from Bob than than I probably even appreciate. He he was great that way and. And um, I had been able to work at NBC on a couple of different things. You know, we had been part of the uh, sort of redevelopment of the news division. And then I came on the corporate side of NBC. And through those, I, I kind of got put on the GE radar and got to work with Jack Welch on a couple of things, most notably our launch of MSNBC, which was a big project between Microsoft and GE. 
And um, and then one day I got a call from Jack Welch saying, hey, can you come upstairs, upstairs being in our building in 30 Rock where GE and NBC had, had offices at the time. And I got called upstairs because I thought he was kind of tell me that, hey, we're going to sell NBC. Mm-hmm. And I, at the time, I was running communications and some other things, and I thought he was going to tell me to get ready for an announcement. And instead, he said, hey, I'd love to have you come and work at GE. And that really wasn't in my planning. I, I expected I'd continue in the media world. Yeah, what, what was the conversation like? He just asked you very much. I would imagine it was almost okay, you know, was kind of the response. Well, it, was, it was a surprise. Yeah. I wasn't expecting it at all, so yeah. I, I was surprised. But, uh, I mean, the thing about Jack uh, is that he's, you know, he's just very dynamic and he's very direct. So, you know, it's not like he it, it was, he, he, he likes to have fun. And so, you know, it was probably a fun conversation. He probably w- was kidding me about something. And, uh, you know, there I was with my notepad ready to start getting ready to announce our departure. And he's like, I'd love you to come to GE. And, and uh, you know, he, he said to me something to the effect of, are, are you ready to leave television? And yeah. I didn't know how to answer him at the time because I hadn't even considered. I thought I'd be, I didn't know if I'd be at NBC forever, but I, I assumed I was going to be in the media industry. So I had a lot of thinking to do. I, I actually came came back to my office and went to see our head of HR, a guy named Ed Scanlon, who was just a great advisor and, and somewhat of a mentor to me. And Ed said, face it, you can't say no. And I thought that was really, uh, that was really summed up the way I, w- I was feeling. But it was a different world for sure. But now you've moved all the way up and you've stepped into a role for, at CM, as CMO over at GE. And now you've stepped into the role of vice chairman. Are you still keeping the CMO role? No, I, um, I I have oversight for marketing as part of as part of the area I oversee. But I was incredibly happy to to be able to tap Linda Boff as our chief marketing officer. Uh, Lin- we announced that yeah. a couple of weeks ago. I saw that come and, through. Um, I just had saw something as all, but I kept seeing a few tweets that were coming out that kept naming you as the CMO. And I said, folks, I don't think she's CMO anymore. Yeah, yeah I, it's uh, I, I, I've been it long enough, right? So maybe it's hard to uh, dis- to distinguish the two. But um, but it was great for Linda to be able to to take the role. She's a very talented uh, individual. She's incredibly talented. Yeah. She's um, she's one of these people. She's very creative and and has um, she's one of these people. People just love working with her. Well, and, and as we're just going to say that yeah, people love her. She really is well liked. So look, I think it's an interesting piece. I don't normally get into the male female thing at all because to me it's just people but but when you look at the fact that you as a woman you've stepped in this chair you know as vice chair first of all not a lot of companies have vice chair anyway so when you look at like the top 580 companies in the US there's only 25 that have a vice chairman role and and then of the 25 there's only now six companies that have a female as a vice chair is that does that put any extra burden on you? Well, those are interesting statistics. I did. I wasn't aware of those, so that's a that's an insight for me. I, I don't. I don't think it puts a burden. I mean, if there's any burden I have in the vice chair role, I just have to deliver. Yeah, um, do your job. Right? And <laughs> you know, and the the focus I have is growth and innovation for the company, and so I can't let up on that. So if anything, it gives me more urgency about that. Um, I can't do anything about the fact I'm a woman. So, um, so that, that I bring to the job every day. Yeah, that's good. Which is nothing wrong, nothing wrong with that or, or being a man for that matter. What, um, how's it work though, Beth, as being a vice chair, I, you know, cause I gotta be honest with you. I've never been in a company because I just got through telling you there's only 25 of, of 580 of the largest companies in the U S that have them. 
So there's not, that's not a role that's been around. Or I, I know it's around, but it's not, not prevalent. How does that work? Yeah, I think every company defines it differently. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, a couple of things I'd say. I mean, JetML used it as a way to highlight, um, you know, certain uh, aspects, uh, initiatives in the company, priorities in the company. Uh, John Rice is a vice chair at GE, and he oversees our, our global development. Um, Keith Sharon, who oversees capital. Um, so the, the fact that growth and innovation is a mandate at this at this time in the company, I, I, that that feels good. I mean, that that's mm-hmm. what it's about. And so Jeff wanted to be able to make sure he put the right amount of attention. It's also a reflection of you know having been in the company for a while um, as well. So um, I think that's you know depends on your experience and how long you've been and the the, the different paths paths that people have taken in the company but when you get named to something like that do you have to go to like a school or and i'm not saying <laughs> no, you, but you know no what school. i'm saying you, no, you, but yeah. there's more governance for sure and yeah. you, you know there's a certain responsibility that you have to the ge board and certain responsibility to to your shareholders so i think from that perspective i mean i take it very seriously and it's and it's, it's both an honor mm-hmm. and something to take quite seriously and Look, I think Jeff's had a really good track record of putting diverse candidates in leadership roles. Um, so I don't, I, I don't think he sat and thought, well, that's the woman. I'm, I'm, you know. But I think it was just also natural that he would appoint a woman to put in. He's, he's had a really good track record of putting women in leadership roles in the company. Well, and a lot of people, quite frankly, Beth, have said you've been the right-hand person since you've been there. So I think that's a little bit of the accolades for that, too. You're getting rewarded to Well, some Jeff had a lot of right hands, I think. Well, I, well, I mean, the fact you mentioned the other the, yeah, the other individuals. I mean, I think he's putting the emphasis on each of the areas that he thinks are important for the company, and this is the way he does it. Yeah, yeah, I, that's exactly right. Yeah. And so when so you, you're leading all accelerated new growth in the company. Right. Right, which what, so so give me, you know, what is, our, what's yeah. that include, yeah. Yeah, it's um, we we have a it's really market development, uh, uh, really the market facing part of innovation. I, I actually think there's a huge. We I, I'm really proud of the work we've done on innovation from a market perspective. So it's a very big development area. So it's ventures, and for us, ventures is is uh, investing in startups, but it's partnering and it's also incubating new businesses. Um, it's it's gonna, does it include licensing too? It includes licensing, yeah, okay. um, and that's licensing IP, mm-hmm. um, and um, it also um, – sorry, hang on one second. Um, it's uh, licensing IP, um, and then it's about trans- transforming businesses. So for us, taking something that's our oldest business, our lighting business, and uh, finding uh, a, a new path for it through LED, intelligent environment, data analytics – um, and, and so that's a big part of what we're focused on right now. And then it's really new models of commercial. Um, we're doing a lot of re- realigning or how we go to market and sales and marketing in a digital age. So there's a lot of that kind of work, new business models. So it tends to be what's new, what's next. So it's a good thing I'm passionate about it because that's what my job is. So you also have sales, I recall, in the description. Yeah. So how does that work in terms of running sales for each of the divisions? Oh no, they. Yeah. I mean, we have great sales uh, and marketing leaders in each of our businesses. But um, what what happens at GE because we are a multi-industry company, there are parts of the company that are more like than not. So we tend to drive some horizontal efforts. Um, and you know, right now, a big thing in in data and analytics. And so, how do we 
how do we start to offer, how do we come up with more offerings as a service? So GE as a service, for example, business model, a new business model for us using data is something that every one of our businesses needs to figure out. And so we help initiate that, bring in the thinking, bring in, often bring in talent from the outside and embed them in a business unit, sort of an almost another incubation kind of role um, that, that we play. So it's almost like take the new things and find out what sticks. Or to exactly. drive it through. Do you do you do exactly. that with a, do you do that with like a tiger team at all? Like you put a small team together and quite often. In fact, sort of our rallying cry for for our group is very much, um, tr- you know, sort of translate, incubate, transfer. So we spend a lot of time translating the trends. What's happening in the world? How do we make sense of it? Translate it. How does it work for GE? Uh, I'll, I'll come back and give you an example, but and then translate it to a business unit, and then you do a lot of incubation, iteration, piloting with the business unit, and then if it works, they play a big role in taking it and scaling it, or you look for a partner outside of GE to scale it. So I'll give you a, a good example. Uh, I mean, I think the industrial internet's a big example for mm-hmm. us of connected things and. So, you know, you, you identify it as a trend and you start to say the Internet of Things, how does it make sense for GE? At the same time, we're hearing from customers saying they want, um, they want you know, not just a product, they want more services. And so, you know, we have a team that spends time saying, okay, what does that look like? How do we do it? And then over time, you get the right people in the company, and now it's a standalone digital unit within the company. So that's very much the model we um, we adhere to. Advanced manufacturing is another one. You're taking trends like 3D printing, robotics. Um, how do you make sense of that? And right now, we're doing several different pilots with robotics and different business units in our rail in our rail business and our oil and gas. And assuming it takes off with a couple of customers, then we'll feel confident that it can scale. Yeah. And, and make the change. Hey, let me take a quick break. Did you know that Thomas Edison founded GE in 1892? Well, nearly 70 years later, another entrepreneur founded a company that helps us keep energized. That's in 1950, the American entrepreneur William Rosenberg founded the Dunkin' Donuts franchise. I pick up my Dunkin' Espresso every morning to help me keep invigorated because all business with Jeffrey Hazlett in America runs on Dunkin'. Do you drink coffee, Beth? I love Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> Do you like the coffee or the donuts? I love the coffee. <laughs> yeah. It's my daily. I have a, I have a, I have a large Dunkin' Donuts yeah. coffee you, with milk every day. Milk? You put milk in or cream? I like yeah, cream. Yeah, I do. I like I milk. Yeah, I like a cream. Hey, let let me get back to this uh, on the on the venture side. What do you look for when you're looking to invest? Well, we we're pretty uh, disciplined uh, in. First of all, setting our filter and what's our investment thesis. We have four different practice areas. We, we look at software, energy, um, healthcare, and what we call advanced manufacturing. And within those, I, I won't take time now, but within those, there are very specific areas that we that we look at. So I think that's the first thing is just to understand strategically for GE what's important. And I point that out because it's not just an investment because you want the um, you know the company to go public, and you're gonna you're gonna make a great return on your investment. Yes, you you want there to be some kind of return, but for us, it's much more uh, also about the strategy. And so the idea that we're investing in startups or partnering with them is often because it's it helps us learn about something in an industry that we're in. It helps us partner with someone who's trying a path that um, that maybe they have better capabilities than we do. Um, it helps us it helps us 
kind of speed speed learning. So so often we build our investment thesis around kind of what's next and what we want to understand happening in our industry. So for example, robotics or digital health or uh, energy storage in in uh, in you know in the energy space. What? So when you when you have a company like yours that's that's so large in terms of its size, what else besides just the money do you give a company you're looking at investing? Yeah, well, and for for the money piece, I'd start by saying that if you're a startup, you're a founder, and you know leading a company, a small company, you can get money from a lot of places. Most people getting money isn't a problem these days. Yeah. So why would you want money from GE when you can get it from a lot of other folks? I think what most people want is access to intellect, markets, customers. And so that's what we've tried to do is just bring to bear more of GE. Um, so a lot of what we do is uh, invest equity and then we'll invest non-equity dollars or partner with a company to test their idea, to test their product either on GE's employee base or with one of our customers. Um, and so that's a great way for uh, a startup to get incremental value. They get GE's investment, plus they have our backing, our know-how, helps them figure out how do I apply this uh, drone technology into the oil and gas space. And we'll often go to a customer with them, and then we kind of um, sit, you know, make the we, we make it safe to work with the startup because they sort of have GE's backing. So in that way, everybody gets something new. There's a certain risk sharing that happens and then we all get to share on the reward of that so how do you know if it's successful when you make these investments do you um you guys have always been really good about measuring things and and putting things through the paces um you're you're well known for that you got a history of that um being a real leader in you know continuing innovation and continual improvement so how do you know when it's a good thing or a bad thing well, you, as you said, we're very, we have great rigor and we're a very disciplined company and we're fortunate to be able to get some great um, people in our venture team who come out of venture capital and out of GE capital also. So we have a pretty rigorous system of understanding, you know, how, what the fair market value of, of some of these investments are. But as I said earlier, there's also this strategic piece. So we'll often look, um, are we able to take a new offer to a customer? so that we're able to bring something new or uh, augment the value of what we have to a customer. Um, we'll look at uh, speed to learning. Does it help us understand a new space faster? Um, are there cultural pieces? Have we learned a new process? Have, has it helped our culture be more, more entrepreneurial? So we have quite a, quite a scorecard of both the financial and then I'd say the, the more intangible and then the things that we both share. So we can track revenue that both the startup and we get together. And there are about, there are about 15 startups we're working with now where we go to market together and share revenue. So that's, that's quite easily tracked. So, but I, you, you mentioned something I thought was real interesting. You're able to attract great talent, which I know is a very important thing for you at GE as it is for any company, because if you want to do, you know, run a company right, just get great people always. Um, although it's great to have good products as well, so you have great people running those products. But you, you said on the VC side, attracting great VC talent. Uh, you came from biology. I, said, <laughs> I looked at your resume. You graduated uh, college with biology. How did that get you to running businesses? 
Yeah, it, it's a it's the perfect path to only me. But um, I I mean I wanted to. I originally thought I was going to be a doctor. Then I want. Then I thought really what I was looking to do was be a health and science reporter. That got me into media. Mm-hmm. Turns out I really wasn't very good on camera reporter, and um, pretty quickly put me on a behind the scenes path. Um, but no, I, why, I why, what, let me ask you a question. Why would you say you weren't a on, good on camera reporter? You've got great poise. You you speak well. You're very intelligent. You have all the all the great attributes of that. Why why did you say that that, that didn't work out for you? I've been working a while, so I've had to pick up a lot of those things. <laughs> was, but uh, I uh, wasn't as confident and as skilled back then. I I have tapes to prove it, although I have them hidden away. Yeah. But. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it's just sort of what you, you know, sort of time and confidence and experience gives you a bit more of that. It, it gets you um, better. There's no question. I'm a lot better today than I was when I was 20, without question. Right. I mean, what did yeah. you start out to do? I, you know, I started out in politics and, and sales and marketing. I've always been selling something. So I've always been good at that. I've never been the eye candy that I am today. You know, I'm laughing about that, of course. But, <laughs> it's you know. funny you say that. I remember uh, when I was first starting out and I was – making my way in media and you know, trying to be this reporter and uh someone uh someone i was dating at the time he said you know you really should be in sales and I was so i was like how could you say that but the reality is that is what i ended up being in and mm-hmm. i i feel quite comfortable and i mean marketing and sales it's about connecting the value and i think that relates back to biology to me i've i think i appreciate the value of partnership the understanding of kind of shared value these these things that have become almost overused in business this idea of an ecosystem um is what you learn in biology and and i feel like i see the world that way so maybe i've sort of gravitated to this um you know marketplace partnership kind of model that is the way we look at marketing here so are, are you kind of the one that's architecting then these kinds of things because if, if you when you say that like the biology and then i think about your commercials the innovation the, the one you and i recently saw together um at, a, at an intel event uh, where we're up on stage and i can't remember like it kind of looks like a white fuzzy thing i can't remember the thing or whatever you would call that the commercial that you have to me, those kind of seem like science commercials, or science, and you're, you're, it's almost like a biology experiment to some extent. Are you the one that's well, kind of driving that? Well, it's interesting. Yeah, it was our sort of ideas creature. Yeah, ideas for lack creature. Of that's a what better it was. word. Yeah, yeah. yeah kind of our like, ideas are scary creature. Yeah, that's what it was. It was really, it was a very cute and very good commercial. And the departure from what I would think from some big, huge energy company, although you're so much more than that. But, but, but when you say that about the biology, that kind of brings that out. Well, I just believe it. I, I, I think the. I mean, certainly Jeff Emmeld and a lot of people have been part of architecting the the company where it is today. We've undergone a huge transformation in the past 15 years, but I also think it's basically at its core a company that is about science and engineering. And I think that's why I gravitated here and why the leaving media and going to, you know, leaving NBC and going to GE in the end was such a good fit because there is this great technology and science piece of it, and I really groove on it. So so I think it was much more comfortable than it might have looked from the outside. I remember when I first was leaving NBC the first time, and uh, someone saw me, and they go, you know GE makes light bulbs, right? You're leaving media for light bulbs? <laughs> well, uh, well, well, you know the arrogance and, of everybody in TV. They don't think anything exists outside of TV. So, 
And it turns out light bulbs are so incredibly exciting. We're on the cutting edge right now with, of science with lighting, with what's happening with, you know, com combining data, yep. uh, the hardware and the software and lighting. I mean, so, you know, I think I think that maybe leads back to the discovery and curiosity. And, and you know, often things are not what they seem if you're a bit open to the journey and the exploration. I think uh, you're gonna. Um, you're, it's a little push saying it's really exciting. Okay, I get that it's innovative or it's it's, it's different, <laughs> but maybe exciting. I don't know. Maybe but, I'm weird that way. Yeah. I I get excited by it. Well, but you know, I would have told the TV guy, hey, you don't have TV unless I turn the lights on. So there you go. So um, exactly. And, you know, do you find it tough or challenging to be innovative in such a big traditional company? I, and, but at the same time, I don't know I would call you traditional, although, you know, for 130-plus years, I mean, you're, you're, you know, you were founded at the same time, you know, that George Eastman founded Kodak in, in that era of, of innovation, and, and it was different. You know, does that carry forth today? Is it, is it, is it really an innovative company? It has to be. I mean, I don't think you get to be 130 years old to what you're saying if, if your company's not doesn't know how to change and know how to harness innovation. And if you can't do that, you don't live. So I think there is a there is that baked into the DNA. It doesn't mean you always get it right. It doesn't mean you always listen to things. It doesn't mean you're not sometimes too bureaucratic. So I have actually found this has been a great platform to be creative. What, what I love about it, and perhaps it's just my, one of the, the purchase I have is, is – um, is interesting for me because you can connect dots and I think that's where a lot of creativity happens so I can sit here and say well here's what's happening in energy in transportation meaning you know air and rail here's what's happening in healthcare. wow there's some interesting things so 10 years ago that's what we did when we said hey technology the industries that we're in want more energy efficient technology but they don't want to go broke having it it gave birth to what we called eco-imagination, which was a huge way to um, create innovation, new product offerings, uh, drive a brand from a new perspective. And so that's the benefit of the kind of job I have. I can see across industry and see where things are more alike than different. Do you, do you ever sit there sometimes? I, I, I told a story one time. It's actually in the book, my new book, where I was sitting with your, one of your counterparts one day, and I was asking how much he had to grow the company, you, meaning GE, not he and personally. And I'm thinking I'm hot stuff, you know, that we're a $17 billion company. And I think that year you guys had to grow $17 billion just to hit your numbers. So basically you were growing a Kodak a year. And that's when I realized no matter how big you think you are, there's always someone bigger. And, and do you just get awed by the scale of it sometimes? You do sometimes. I think what, what I've witnessed at GE since I've been here is just our, our definition of scale has changed. It's not size for size sake. It's how do you use the scale to your advantage. And I also think I'd say we've gotten smaller since I've been here. You know, we shed G, we're in the process of shedding GE Capital, um, which was a big part of the formula for the past, you know, for a number of decades. We shed NBC. We shed a lot of different parts of the company. So the company's smaller and more focused. So I think you also have to know when, you know, when too much is too much and, and, and how you can use those pieces. So what about, um, let me ask you a question. Uh, you got a consumer business and a, and a B2B business for a large part. And I would think you're much more B2B business these days, right? Oh, we're definitely, I mean, uh, we're in the process of, um, of 
you know, uh, selling off uh, G appliances has been a great mm-hmm. part of our history, but there's a, a process in place for, for it to go somewhere else. And really all we'll be left with is the consumer lighting business. It's such a very small part of the company. The company really has been focused now as this um, digital industrial company. But it doesn't mean you don't lose sight of, of the consumer for the following reasons. Our customers all have customers, most of them in some right. form or fashion. It's a patient. It's an airline customer. It's an, util, an energy customer. Um, and there are so many people who help make a decision about buying a GE product. You know, it's not just like the CEO of United Airlines says, I'm going to buy that jet engine and that the decision's made. There are a number of people who weigh in. And so for us, there is still a consumer mindset that you have to happen of how do you keep your company relevant? Uh, speaking of good folks, I mean, we have some great folks from Liberty Tax on board with all business. Liberty's the fastest growing retail tax preparation firm ever, 4,000 offices across North America. It's a great seasonal franchise opportunity. So if you're looking to get into business, maybe not as big as GE, but certainly into business, add another service to your business or just get great tax prep services, talk to Liberty. All right, well, I want to jump into something which I call rapid fire, which is asking a bunch of just um, silly questions, but they're related to your past. And I've yet to have a guest that's actually got them all right, so I just want to set that up before we begin, Beth. I don't want you to feel bad. All right? Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. You went to William & Mary. And so the College of William & Mary is the second oldest institution of higher education in the United States behind Harvard. What year was William & Mary founded? 1693. Oh, gosh, that's right. Oh, I wish I had a bell. That, that's, I wish I, oh, that's awesome. Okay, all right, here we go. I hope they get harder. So on December the 5th, <laughs> on December the 5th, 1776, the oldest college fraternity was founded at William & Mary. It has since developed into one of the most prestigious co-ed honor societies in the country. What was it? A? Phi Beta, Phi Beta Kappa. Okay, that's, that's B. That was B. You got it. Wow. I'm impressed. Very impressed because, oh, man. All right. Botany is the study of what? Of plants. Yeah, you got that one, too. I figured that was, a, that's a, that was an easy one. All right. A change of the DNA in an organism that results in a new trait is known as a? A mutation. Yes, that's, that's right. Did someone give these to you ahead of time? No, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm very, I studied biology. I'm very, Although very the genetics impressed. I studied uh, uh, a couple of decades ago, uh, it, it would probably fit onto two pages compared to what genetics has done since then. Oh, it's amazing, you know, what we're seeing today. It's just, oh, it's just so fascinating. All right, last one. This is going to be a no-brainer. You're going to get this one, too. The process of pasteurization is named after which famous French microbiologist? Louis Pasteur. Yeah, that's correct. I've never had anyone ever get them all right. I just want you to know. Steve well, Forbes, that's, Piers Morgan. That's exciting. That's, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm very impressed. It's really, you know, we usually trick you up on the college question. You know what I mean? The, when yeah. it was founded. How did you know it was founded in 1693? It's just one of those things I have kept in my head. I don't know why. And it's, <laughs> I, it's just one of those. And, and, and by the way, it's probably the first time it's ever come out, never came out in a cocktail party or anything. It came out no right No one's here. ever asked me that. No, I know it's the second oldest to Harvard, and for some reason, 1693 is etched in my brain. Oh, wow. Hey, I, a, a quick question again. Uh, what's the best advice that you've ever received in your career? 
I think the best advice I ever received is just to take the assignments that that no one else wants, but that you see big value in. Mm-hmm. I saw and that's that the quote. advice I, I often give people. Yeah, I saw that quote, and I thought that was a really good one because a lot of people don't want to get their hands dirty, do they? No, and every I mean, look, everybody wants a job that you, that people think is a winning job. I mean, it's it, you you want the big job, but. I've found the opportunities are often the ones where people have sort of either given up on it or they don't see it. I remember I once was, um, I once took a, another job, and uh, as I was leaving, the, the people I worked with called me up and were like, are you, I think you're crazy. Like, I, I took this job. I was actually when I went to, back to NBC in the aftermath of the Dateline crisis, and I went back to NBC News and was leading the communications and PR team. And the team had been decimated, and to me, it was one of the best jobs I ever had. Mm-hmm. But it seemed, you know, the job had been open for months, and they were having a hard time getting anyone to, to come and join the team. It was one of the best jobs I've had because it was, we got to build something. We got to be part of a team. We got to all pull together. And, you know, I think there's something to be said when you get um, get to come in and, and there's new energy happening. You like to jump in a big fight? Like, I mean, I, like I'm, I think I'm the best when everything's chaotic and everybody's out of control and someone has to step in and just get it done. That's typically my role, you know. Is, you, you like the fight, yeah. Yeah, do you, are you kind of like that? I'm, I think the stage I like is when it's very ambiguous. I like coming in when, it, you know, like a, I'm a fog flyer. I, I like fly well in the fog. So mm-hmm. I like when you're, you maybe have a couple of hunches and it's not clear. You have, a, you have an idea of what you want to accomplish and you, you, a lot of vision, but it's not clear how you're going to get there, if you can get there. I, I like that process. Yeah, it's a biology stuff coming through again, that sense of discovery. It is. It is. You know, oh, what's in here? What's oh, that's a liver. That's a whatever it might be when you're dissecting. That's a way of learning. I think that's kind of unique. Hey, let me give you. I also when I was in college, I just I also when I was in college, I, I as I look back, I minored in anthropology, and I think that's a part of it for me too. Just that I think that's why I like ended up in marketing Mm -hmm. because you're you're under you're looking at behaviors and in technology companies. When I even when I did especially when I did the digital job at NBC, it's not so much, hey, here's this cool technology. What is this technology going to do to change people's behavior? How will people react to this? And I think that's why I ended up in marketing. That just just so intrigued about how people behave. Oh, that's a great way. What was the worst job you ever had? Well, the worst job I ever had um, was when I was in college in a summer job. I worked um, I worked in uh, the Rubbermaid factory making trash cans and oh. all kinds of things. It was the best and the worst job because it was really toughened me up, and I learned a lot about human behavior. But, boy, was it hard work lifting these huge 50-gallon trash cans out of the, out of the plastics fabrication plant. Sometimes by doing those really tough ones, the ones you don't like, you find out what you like a lot quicker. You know? Exactly. Yeah, I always exactly. tell people it's it's called hard work because it's hard, which is. But a, I think it, throughout the throughout the, my my um, uh, marketing career, uh, I'd say the hardest jobs I've I, I like jobs that are hard because you don't know where you know we don't know what the answer is. I'm okay with that. The jobs I find hardest, or the projects I found hardest, are the ones where um, you don't have the accountability, you know, because a lot of the work that, that people like us do is change. We're in change situations. You, mm-hmm. you, have to, you're, you have to break the news to somebody that the customer doesn't like the product. 
that the market's changing, that the competitor's better. Um, and you have to have people who are willing to who have your back, who are there and saying you may not like everything she says or you may not like the ideas he has. And I think those are the toughest assignments when somebody doesn't have your back. It's, it's hard to do change work then. Fantastic. Well, let me give you a chance for a shameless plug. Any kind of um, group or thing that you'd like to, to be able to push? Well, there are, uh, one thing, or can I? No, you can do fire? many. No, I look. This is put you. You put the quarter in, you get to go for the full ride. So whatever you like to do. Yeah, I, I'm a I'm a big supporter, and we have been here at GE of uh, of a program called Girls Who Code, getting girls uh, into oh, yeah. technology and science. I'm passionate about design, and I've been a big supporter of um, design in the classroom and work that uh, the Cooper Hewitt National Design Museum is part of the Smithsonian, uh, and I've gotten I've gotten to serve with that group. And so I, I link those two things together. I think we look a lot um, at education and technology. I think there's also education in art, and the reality of bringing them both together is really important. So that's something that I'm very, very passionate about today. Well, I'm glad you got to be able to push them here, and we'll, we'll do some tweeting about that as well to kind of get it out there a little bit more so thank you hey thanks so much taking you behind the scenes of what's happening in the business world jeffrey hazlett hosts all business brought to you by fortinet hey at the end of every show i like to talk about what i learned well one you can see why she's the vice chair right off the bat articulate smart just everything about her just speaks to quality which is where GE likes to go. And, of course, she walks the talk. And what I mean by that is that she is a very innovative person. I mean, the ads that GE is running today, uh, it's such a departure from the things of the past. And they're bringing that sense of discovery. But what I got the most was was that sense of rigor. You can sense it in everything that she says, and not that she's scripted, because she's not. I, can, I know her well enough over the years to know she's not scripted. But my point is, is that she speaks to the key points all the times and always brings back the conversation and, and keeps it at that level so that you can bring out the key theme of what they want to be able to accomplish or what she wants to accomplish, and it's part of her being. So she's drinking the Kool-Aid, and I love that. And I love that she can articulate in such a, well, a great way and uh, to be my guest, which was wonderful. Um, very impressed, okay? Hey, and I'm impressed when you listen, and I thank you so much for doing so. And don't forget to tell your friends to tune in to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Behind the scenes of what's happening in the business world, Jeffrey Hazlett hosts All Business, brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.